What qualifies me to make this podcast? Spitting out reviews rather than swallowing the whiskey and cleansing your palate. What's up, guys? My name is Chris, and you are listening to the Whiskey Noobs Podcast. And today we have yet another Q&A episode where I answer questions submitted by you guys, the listeners. You can submit your questions every Wednesday on my Instagram story. I'll post a sticker. You can submit your question through there. Or you can join the Patreon page if you want to jump the line because patron questions do get priority and they get answered first. Without further ado, I'm going to get right into it today because we have a lot of questions and we have a lot to burn through. I am not doing a mystery whiskey tasting this episode. I usually do, uh, but I'm not because I'm recording this during dry January. So if you see me sip anything, it is diet root beer that I'm drinking, which is almost gone because I was having some camera troubles. Still working on this new studio setup. I know I said I was going to get going and here I am rambling. Still working on this new studio setup though. So lighting, cameras, all that. Still working on it. Hopefully, you'll see some pretty significant improvements here over the course of the next few weeks if you are watching on the video version or just in my short-form content, which is also getting at least got a lighting upgrade, got one camera upgrade as well. Let's get started on these questions because there's a lot to burn through. Like I said, I love answering these questions. Thank you so much to everybody who submitted a question. Once again, if you want to jump to the front of the line or if you just want to support the show, if you want to support this new equipment and making better video quality, things like that, please consider joining on the Patreon page. There's going to be a link down in the show notes. If you just go to the description of the podcast, either on YouTube, in the video description, on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts, if you click on the episode you're listening to right now and go to the description, then there is the Patreon link down there in the show notes. That is super appreciated. Thank you so much to all of our patrons. Okay, now I'm officially done rambling. Let's get to these questions. First up, uh, I will be answering these. Wow, I'm back to kind of rambling. I will be answering these first few in long form, and then I will go into like a lightning round where I answer them very quickly. I forgot to mention that, and I wanted to make it clear for everybody. Okay, first question comes to us from one of our patrons. Which Bardstown Distillery Tour did you go on? It looks awesome. So, I did go visit Bardstown down on the Kentucky Bourbon Trail, and soon I'd like to do an episode probably after I visit a few more distilleries and really go over all the different distilleries that I've been to so far. Uh, But up to now, it's just been the three. It has been uh, Maker's Mark and then, of course, Bardstown, and then I have some content coming up on Nulu, uh, which you guys will be seeing here in the future. So those are the three that I've been to. And Bardstown, I want to look up what their tours are. So for Bardstown, I didn't go on a specific tour. I was actually there to check out the distillery, give it a review, create content, that sort of a thing. So I didn't go on any one of the tours, but I did the the, the, the tour that we took, which wasn't a specific tour, uh, was very similar to their one tour that I don't remember the name of. And so that's what I'm looking up right now. I believe it's, uh, I don't want to say it, it wrong, but it's uh, something like from beginning to end, like from mash to, to bottle or barrel, bottle to barrel, something like that. Uh, so let's look. I got their website up right here. And their tour is from distillate to barrel. That's the tour that is very similar to the one that I went on. There's a little bit more, actually, even for that tour. They do a couple other things. There was like this little what looked like a class area that I believe was part of that tour. And you get to learn a lot more about the process. So it is a awesome distillery, gorgeous distillery. Um, I'm not just saying that because I went there to review it. I mean, it was an honest review and I was blown away. I thought it was awesome. Uh, I even told friends and family who I know are into bourbon. I was like, if you go down there, 
go to that one. Of course, there are others that are really nice that I haven't seen yet, but I knew that that one was super nice, and so I thought it's worth going to. So I did, while I didn't go on a specific tour, I will tell you, overall, the distillery was very gorgeous, very high-tech. It's not a very historical type of, of experience there like you might get at Maker's Mark. Maker's is really the opposite. It was very gorgeous, very fun. I really loved Maker's Mark. But it was the opposite in that it was a lot about the history, uh, and the distillery was gorgeous because it was historical, whereas Bardstown is a lot about their their technology, their process, what they do, and the distillery is gorgeous because it's modern. So they're really two different sides of the same coin, which I really thought was, was really cool for me since the first uh, three distilleries that I went to, two of them were, were very different from each other in that way. But both were very awesome tours that I really enjoyed, so that made it. That made it pretty worthwhile. Um, so great question, and hopefully more to come about the Bourbon Trail and some more in-depth uh, reviews of it, of the different distilleries that I went to. Uh, okay, moving on to our next long-form question here. Is it painful to spit and not swallow? I can already see the comments about me saying talking about spitting versus swallowing. We're talking about reviewing whiskey here, guys. So for those who don't know, when during dry January, I can't just stop reviewing whiskey. Uh, so what I have been doing is I have been swishing the whiskey around my mouth, getting a full taste of it, and then spitting it out. And what I have learned from that is that there's actually a lot of misconceptions about doing that. A lot of people were very unhappy on one of my videos that I said that I was doing that, and they're like, why even drink? whiskey why even do reviews this isn't even worth it what are you doing um and i think a very misunderstood fact about the whiskey world in the whiskey reviewing world is that a lot of people do not drink the whiskey when they're reviewing it at least not all the time um of course a lot of us do enjoy whiskey, and so we do drink it a lot of the time, but we don't drink it all the time, and I, this is newer for me, but I've been getting to the point, even where after dry January, I'll probably have to do this for some of my reviews, because I'm just drinking too much in order to keep up with the reviews, but it's not new to the industry. Uh, I just had Melissa Rift on from Old Forester. She talked about how she did that. She continued her job as a master taster while pregnant, so she had to spit out all the samples and rinse her mouth out. So it's not uncommon. Um, one of the biggest names in the bourbon industry, at least in the bourbon reviewing industry, Fred Minnick, um, expert in his craft and he even says when i'm getting deep into all these reviews especially when he's putting together his lists and his rankings he's got to spit them out at some point because otherwise you're just going to be trashed so that's a common misconception is that it's somehow um going against bourbon reviewing whereas or whiskey reviewing in general whereas it's actually very commonplace another place that i saw it actually speaking of nulu there will be a lot more um There'll be a lot more content coming up for Nulu. Um, but when we were tasting through some things in order to get an idea of some of the profiles of some of the barrels, we had to spit out the samples we were tasting because you just can't do that all day long. It's just not feasible. So, And and that was, they're writing down those notes to actually understand for blending later. So it's not uncommon at all. This happens all the time. That's the point that I'm trying to make. Now, aside from it being common, is it okay? Like, am I still going to be able to properly review things? Yes. And this was something that I was really test run for for dry January this year. That's why I haven't done it so far. I've been nervous that I wouldn't be good at it. As at first, it was a little strange. And at first, I think I was lacking a little bit in my ability to still taste it. I don't know why. I don't know if it's because of the way 
that it dissolves in your mouth whenever you have swallowed it and there's still some in your mouth versus spitting it out. I'm not 100% sure, but I figured it out after a couple of test runs. Um, and, and truly, you can get a lot of flavor. It it's it tastes like I don't know how to describe it other than it tastes almost exactly the same as when I'm spitting or when I'm swallowing the whiskey. Um, so I would just say if you haven't tried it, maybe try it. And it isn't what a lot of people think it is. I also say that to say for those who like to try whiskey to do tastings but don't like to become intoxicated. It's a feasible option. It's not pretty, and it doesn't look the tastiest. Um, I highly recommend if you're going to spit into like a vessel, making it a vessel that you can't see through because it looks gross. If anybody grew up around tobacco like I did, um, not necessarily in my family, but in my area, a lot of the people that I knew were big into chew into into um, like different forms of smokeless tobacco. And uh, it's it looks like that. It's gross. And if you've ever seen somebody spit into a clear bottle, it looks pretty darn similar. But uh, regardless of how it looks, you still get the full effect of the whiskey in terms of the taste. Um, and you don't have to worry about becoming intoxicated. So that's my little plug for it. But more so to explain that this is very commonplace, especially in spirits reviewing uh, and judging and ranking because... You can only drink so much before you're intoxicated and your rankings aren't any good anymore. You know, if I were to be putting together a ranking like Fred Minnick does, for example, and I was putting together my top 10 or top 100 like he does of the year, you have to do a lot of that in sittings. And you probably wouldn't want to know my list if I was swallowing all of it because every first one that I reviewed would get a harsh review and every time, every sit down, the last one that I reviewed would get a killer review because I'd be in a great mood by the end of it. So it's very commonplace um, and just, I guess, don't have the heebie-jeebies by it. And I think it's useful. I think it's useful, especially for those who want to do multiple different tastings. They don't want to become intoxicated. Or if you want to do a tasting, you want to try out a new bottle and you have to be somewhere, so you're going to have to drive, so you don't want to drink it, you can spit it out. Uh, yeah, that that's my plug, I guess. It's a weird hill for me to die on. I never thought I'd hear myself say that, but that's where I'm at, I guess. Um, the next one, I wanted to answer this one a little bit longer because I feel like I don't talk about Four Roses enough. How does the Four Roses product line stack up in terms of value and general quality? The Four Roses product line, in my opinion, is mostly very good. Uh, I have really enjoyed what I've had from Four Roses. I think their run-of-the-mill 20-ish dollar plain label bottle, I think it's 80 proof or 90 proof, it's good. It's not my favorite in that price range. I'll probably revisit it again here soon because I know a lot of people love it. It has almost like this this cult following online. So I want to give it another fair shake. For me, it's just okay. It is good, though. Like it is, It's not a waste of money to buy by any means. Um, but then their other stuff is really good. So Four Roses Small Batch, very tasty. Um, Four Roses Single Barrel, you're moving up from like $40 to like the $45-ish, maybe $50 now. Four Roses Single Barrel. Uh, delicious. I love Four Roses Single Barrel. Obviously, it depends on the barrel that you get, but I've been impressed by what I've had from that. And then moving up to like $60, you've got Four Roses Small Batch Select. Super confusing because it's very similar bottles to Small Batch. One of them's just $20 more. Uh, and it has it amps up the flavor even more. It's got like a really nice flavor to it. Very full-bodied. You get those high rye spice notes. Uh, and then I do have one single barrel from them, which was a four or a, a single barrel pick, I should say. It was a store pick. So it was a four roses single barrel barrel strength. And 
It's good. I think I overpaid for it a little bit. After I got it, I was like, it's it's probably a very good 80 or $85 bourbon, but I paid like 100 for it. So I was like, eh. But that's the that's the dice that you roll whenever you do a store pick or a pick that somebody else does. Um, you're rolling the dice that it, their palette was good and that they did a good job picking it. So it was still very good. It just wasn't up to that par. But I say all that to say that I really like Four Roses, and I think they have a lot of really good stuff. Uh, especially for people who find themselves bored with things that they think are too mellow. Four Roses is high rye. They blend together a bunch of different bourbon recipes. I think it's 10 recipes, and I think it's two mash bills and five yeast strains. Makes for 10 total recipes, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And they blend those together and come up with these excellent blended bourbons that I think are really good. So worth trying, worth trying for sure. Um, moving on to the next, okay, so this is the last long, long form question. Then we've got a couple like medium form questions and then I'm going to try to blaze through the lightning round, but this one I want to take my time with. So the next question is with full respect, what qualifications make you a bourbon expert? I follow you. I'm glad you distinguished that you follow me because otherwise that could have seemed very attacking, but I get what you're saying. You're saying like, Hey, I follow you, but I'm just curious what qualifies you? What, what makes you able to give this advice. And I love this question because I haven't visited it in a while. Nothing qualifies me to say the things that I say other than experience. And when I started the podcast, I didn't have very much experience. And that was actually the reason behind the name Whiskey Noobs. When I started this podcast, to be very abundantly clear, I was somewhere in between what I would consider highly knowledgeable about whiskey and you know in the upper not upper echelon that sounds very very uh i don't know arrogant i was somewhere between being in the very highly educated let's put it that way in terms of whiskey i was somewhere between being very highly educated about whiskey and completely brand new two total different ends of the spectrum right and that's why I started the podcast was because I thought I'm right here in the middle where I know enough about whiskey to be useful, but I don't know so much that I forget what the new people want to hear about. And that was really the premise behind the podcast. And in the early episodes, I said, listen along with me and I'm going to learn along with you. And a lot of this stuff I don't know, I'm going to research it in order to learn more about it. Now, Nowadays, I'm giving my opinion on all kinds of reviews, all kinds of blind tastings, all kinds of tips and tricks. What qualifies me for that? Just experience. I have been, obviously, I haven't been drinking super long. I always get comments about how young I am. But I have been very consistently learning as much as I can every week for the past three years since starting this podcast. Not only learning everything that I can, reviewing everything that I can, thus the reason that I can't be swallowing every review anymore, and teaching friends and trying to express to friends different tips and tricks and then seeing when I tell them those tips and tricks, what helped, what didn't help. And same thing, not just with friends, but also with people that I meet online, giving tips and tricks and then seeing people in my comments, this thing that you said helped, this thing that you said did not help at all. And through all that, I have really, really expanded my knowledge. And I'm, I've still got a long ways to go. There's no way I could be an expert expert or what I, what I would consider like a guru for whiskey in this lifetime. It, seem, it seems almost impossible for anybody. But I am learning a ton about it. And I, I can say with some confidence, without any attempt to be arrogant, any attempt to say that I am so good at what I do, I don't mean it like that. But I can say with some confidence that I have refined my palate significantly. 
Uh, and I don't just say that to say like, yeah, I've gotten such a developed palate that it, it puts me ahead of other whiskey drinkers. I don't mean it in that way at all. What I mean is I've gotten very good at picking out nuance to the point that I've even noticed, and this is a newish, like last six months to a year new, I've even noticed with some foods I can pick out things in them and I'll be like, like to my wife who made it, you know, oh, does this have a little bit of that in it? And she'll be like, oh, yeah, it does. I've, I've really, really worked on exercising that sense. At the end of the day, it's very much like a muscle. I'm not bragging about having some elite genetics. I am saying I've put in the work to exercise that muscle, and I can honestly say I feel that I've gotten very good at it. So that still doesn't qualify me to tell you what to do or to tell you what to buy or any of those things, and that's kind of a big theme of the show. I'm not telling you what to do. I'm telling you my opinion, and I'm also telling you different facts about history or about whiskey or any of those things that I find typically from multiple sources. When I'm doing my research, you'll notice I'm also often talking about multiple different sources. Um, so that is really where I'm coming from here. And then when it comes to the reviewing, I always try to do the objective stuff and then my subjective stuff, which I've really started to add in my subjective stuff because people were saying, you're, you're riding the fence too much. And I, he I heard that. I get it. I wasn't really trying to ride the fence. I was trying to say these type of people will like it and these type of people won't. People will, but people want to know my opinion, I've realized, which is weird. Uh, but, but I'm starting to give that opinion now as well and saying, hey, for me, this is worth the money. For me, this is not worth the money. Those sorts of things. That was quite the rabbit hole for me to go down. But hopefully it made sense. I guess... To summarize all that is to say, I'm not qualified in any way other than I feel, especially if you've been listening from the beginning, that I have worked my way to this point. Um, and I think if you've been listening to the, from the beginning, then that really shows. I don't have any type of official certification. There are different ones online that I have debated getting or not getting, um, not because, not because I don't want to as much as I'm not sure about how terribly honest those programs are. I need to do more looking and I'm not trying to diss anybody who does any of those types of programs where you basically pay them money to take a class to get a certificate. Um, I'm not dissing anybody. I'm saying I truly haven't done enough research but I have seen both sides of the story where people will get it and they'll say, you know, this is great, I'm certified and whatever. And people won't get it and they'll say, or they will get it, and they'll say, this was a ripoff. I paid them money to give me a piece of paper for stuff that I already knew. I've seen both sides of that story and I don't know. But I do know that it is growing in popularity. Um, so if you see me get a certification, I'm not going to name any names. I think there's one that a lot of us are probably thinking of right now. If you see me get it, just know that it's probably because I felt that it was my next step in terms of people actually taking me seriously as a reviewer. Uh, very similar thing with like the blue check mark on Instagram. Everybody knows that blue check mark is paid for now. That's a, that's a subscription you have to get. And I protested for a while and I didn't get the blue check mark. Cause I thought I don't want the blue check mark cause I'm paying for it. I want the blue check mark cause I earned the blue check mark. And then everybody got the blue check mark and suddenly my videos aren't performing very well because nobody's taking me serious. And I just realized, oh, I guess I just have to get the blue check mark the not fun way because everybody else is. And if I don't, my content just doesn't show up for anybody. I mean, I hit a very, very hard plateau. If you've been following along and checking my follower count, you'll know I hit a very hard plateau. And 
that's just the price that they make you pay in order to be in this business, in order to make content. Uh, I don't want to let it ever affect my authenticity. And so if I were to get a um, certification, just like I said with the blue check mark, I was honest with you. I think it's bullcrap, to be frank about it. Uh, Just like with that, if I get any kind of certification, I'll probably let you know whether I think it's worth it or not. Um, and I have a sneaky suspicion, maybe not even the one that I'm thinking of, but I have a sneaky suspicion there are definitely certifications out there that are, you could learn the equivalent amount by listening to this podcast, probably. I have a very sneaky suspicion that that's the case, but I will still look into them and I'm not dissing them at all. That is an un, that's a baseless claim I just made. It's an opinion. <laughs> um, I, I could go take some of these and be like, wow, I learned more than I expected to, or I can see how your average person would get a lot from this. That could totally be the case. Anytime somebody's like, hey, pay me for a piece of paper. I fell for that once in college. And so I, I'm a little bit suspicious, especially when it's not a college, an accredited university, you know? So very long answer to your question, but a very important question. And so that's why I wanted to take my time with it. Now, moving on to the next question. This is kind of a halfway long one, um, mainly because there's other episodes that I'll reference you to, so I don't want to take up too much time with it. Um, What's the best way to cleanse the palate between pastings? Uh, So I have done multiple palate cleanse episodes uh, where I've tried multiple different palate cleansers. You can go back through and find those. I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, uh, but I've done them. Um, And I will summarize briefly. Well, first of all, I'm going to do more, but I'll summarize briefly. My favorite quick, easy readily available one is very dark chocolate. It doesn't work the best, but it does work enough usually for my purposes. That actually wasn't the best one though. And I can't remember what weird combination we had that worked really well, but I can tell you what single thing worked the best. It was a sushi palate cleanser. Uh, So if you don't know, if you haven't had sushi, um, is it pickled ginger? It's either pickled, fermented, spiced, something like that. Ginger. I think it's pickled ginger you get with your sushi. Um, and it, you use it as a palate cleanser, but if you're eating different types of sushi, we tried it for whiskey and believe it or not, it worked really well. I don't know what's happening chemically, but it cleansed our palates very well. And we were still able to taste the next whiskey after that. And I was very impressed by that. Um, so that one works well, but dark chocolate is just super convenient. You can just have a bar of it around and then snap off a piece. Um, doesn't be kept in the refrigerator, stuff like that. So I usually do dark chocolate. Um, For a while, I was using the Andes mints that you get at like restaurants. I think maybe Olive Garden. I don't remember. But it's those those chocolate mints. And I don't like mint very much. But I was like, I wonder if this will work as a palate cleanser. And just, I didn't have an episode about it. But it was working really well. So I used those for a while. Um, So those things are the most convenient, I would say. There's probably other better ones out there. And we're going to do more looking, especially in an upcoming episode, to see what works the best, the best. So we'll see about that. Okay. Moving on to the next one. Um, this next one comes to us from a patron. It says, you said you are a coffee guy. What is your favorite brand slash blend and how do you take it? Great question. So, uh, I should clarify a little bit because I don't want to come across as a fraud. When I say I'm a coffee guy, I mean, I love coffee. Um, not just like the caffeine, like I actually drink very little caffeine for a coffee lover, uh, but I love the taste of coffee. Very similar thing to, to whiskey, obviously. However, I'm not as much of a coffee nerd where I don't know as much about it. I want to become one and I would love to do more research on it because I'm really trying to, uh, get better at understanding the different coffees that I do drink. 
but as of right now, I don't really have that knowledge. Here's what I can tell you, though. I, I'm enough of a nerd to know. A lot of times I like dark roast, um, and I don't even know much about the different roasts, but I know that dark roast, I like the flavor of it a lot more. And this is the part where everybody's going to hate me, especially considering I'm a guy who drinks whiskey neat. I take my coffee with cream and sugar. I like coffee with cream. That's just what I like. Uh, now, obviously, I prefer like a well-made latte to dumping some international delight into my coffee out of my coffee maker. Um, so, you know, something that actually is made with the craft, like a nice latte, is definitely better. But I do, guilty pleasure, guilty as charged, I do throw creamer in in my coffee. So, uh, just to be clear. Um one coffee that I have had, I've had, I've been drinking a lot lately, um, and I, they didn't send me this in order to get a shout out. They just reached out to me and they were like, hey, we want to send you some of our coffee. And I was like, okay. Um, Fire Department Coffee on Instagram sent me some of their stuff. They didn't ask for anything in exchange. I did throw it up on my store just because I thought it was very nice of them. And um, they didn't ask for anything in exchange. I want to be clear about that. But I tried their coffee and I was like, this is really good. And so they sent one that was infused, I think, with Irish cream. If I'm not mistaken, but it's like an Irish cream flavored uh, coffee. And so that with a little bit of just like a sweet cream or like a cream and sugar, so good. I've been loving that one. So I've been drinking it a lot lately. So shout out to them for that because they didn't have to do that. They didn't ask for a shout out. They didn't do anything like that. They just have quality stuff and they sent it to me. And maybe that's why they sent it. But hey, if you got the quality stuff, it makes sense. So shout out to them. That's really all that I know about coffee, though, and I'd like to learn more about it. I'd really like to learn about espressos and how to make them properly uh, and the different techniques that you can do. So someday, maybe, um, maybe I'll get a little bit more into that. But thank you for asking. That was a really unique one. I, I'm really appreciative of, of that and that you caught that I said I was a coffee guy. Um, favorite brand I forgot to mention because uh, you asked about my favorite brand. I guess my favorite coffee that's been made for me, like that I would pick up, is actually a local place called Tremont Coffee uh, right in Maslin, Ohio. And they make really good. I think they have one in Canton now too, actually. They do. Um, they make really good coffee. I'm a big fan of Tremont. Um, they're, I just get what's called their morning moonshine. Obviously, the name already attractive to me, um, but it's so good. It's so good. Just a nice, you still get the coffee flavor, um, but obviously it is sweetened up a little bit. It does have whatever lattes have in them. I'm not an expert. But you also, you go in and you see them making the espresso at the espresso machines right there. It's the legit stuff, and it's really good. Okay. We are going to fly through these, um, if for no other reason than the fact that my phone battery is getting rather low. So I'm going to dive in right now. What bourbons have the nuttiest flavor profile? I thought this was a fun one. Um, off the top of my head, something with a nutty flavor profile was Smooth Ambler Contradiction, and then also Weller Full Proof has a little bit of a nuttiness to it. And there was one other that I wanted to mention... Maybe it was Middle West Spirits? No, that one's not super nutty. Might have been Green River Weeded. It might have been Green River Weeded. I give them a lot of popularity, but I really like Green River Weeded. It's cheap and it's good. All right, moving on. What do you think the next what do you think the 2024 trends will be? Any new styles you think are going to take off? Well, all I can really talk about is a lot of stuff that I saw at KBF. And I think barrel finishing 
is going to get loony in the next year. We're going to see all kinds of different barrel finishes for bourbons. Um, I, I saw that one of the more popular ones just from people that I talked with was uh, three-quarter distillings um, honey barrel and toasted barrel blend that they did. Um, and so that's a pretty wild finish combination, and everybody was in love with it that I spoke with at KBF, I should say. Um, and then Amberana obviously has been blowing up. Toasted barrel still blowing up. So I think I think the finishes are only going to get loonier, uh, basically, is, is what I see happening in the next year. Going to Nashville slash Kentucky in late March, any distillery recommendations? Well, actually, ironically, I mentioned them earlier. Um, so in Kentucky, I've been to three. Uh, three, I've been on tours of three. Um, Maker's Mark, fantastic. Nulu, super cool. I have a lot of content that will be coming out about them. Um, and then Bartstown Bourbon Company, also fantastic. You might have seen my video about it. And if you haven't, recommend going and checking that out. Um, I also stopped by Wild Turkey. I stopped by Heaven Hill, and I stopped by Buffalo Trace. I didn't do tours at those places, but those were also very cool. Oh, and uh, Lux Row. Lux Row, I stopped there as well. Um, so very cool stuff. Uh, but no tours, so I can't really give you a full review of those. All right, moving on to the next one. The best way to learn about different types of whiskey and the ways to enjoy them. I just kept this one to be a little cheeky. Listening to this podcast, you're doing a great job if you're listening to this. Uh, I like to think it's one of the best ways to learn about whiskey, and then the other way would be to follow me on Instagram and on TikTok. Uh, and I'm going to be putting out a lot more of the content because I did it once and, you know, I was like, well, I've made a video on that. But now it's been so long, I think I'll do it again. That way, people who are new around here can learn a lot more stuff. So I'll be covering a lot more of those basics here coming up as well. And then, of course, there's other fantastic channels that I mention sometimes, um, especially on YouTube. I'm not big into the YouTube game, so I don't uh, know a lot of the YouTube folks quite as much, but there's other really good channels on YouTube as well. What is a fair price for Weller Foolproof? So when I did that blind, uh, I didn't know what I was drinking, and I set a fair price. I think I said 60 bucks. I might have said 50 somewhere in that range, and I think that's fair. Uh, that's what you pay in Ohio. You pay $50, and I think it's well overpriced. Now, I do subjectively, I do really like the flavor profile. So to me, I would pay a little bit more. I think I've said before I'd pay up to 100 bucks, But that's because I really like the flavor profile. I think objectively, it's not a $100 bourbon. Uh, I just really like that bourbon. Um, the Traveler by Buffalo Trace. Uh, what's the deal with Buffalo Trace's new bourbon? Um, the deal is that it's a collaboration with Chris Stapleton, and I haven't had it before. And I think there's a later question, which I'll skip if I get to it now. But if you asked, if, it, if, you, if this is your question, later on there was a question, uh, am I going to review it? And the answer is probably not, unless I just happen upon a bottle. But I think they've been selling out pretty quickly. Um, and those aren't the type of things, you know, they sell so easily. It's not the type of thing that anybody's going to send to me to review, at least not at this point. Um, maybe someday. But no, I will not be reviewing it in the foreseeable future. If I get my hands on it, of course, I will uh, give you guys my opinion. At what price point do you, or at what point, price point for you, I can't read today. At what price point for you do bourbons stop differentiating themselves? I actually am going to have a video coming out about this here soon. Um, and I think. Stop differentiating themselves isn't exactly how I would put it, but I think up to a certain point or beyond a certain point, I think I would call it around 125-ish, um, you're just into the range where something is phenomenal or it's not. In other words, you should buy it or you shouldn't. Um, so that's where I, I wouldn't say they stop differentiating themselves, but I would say that they stop having as much subjectivity. It's kind of like 
either it tastes amazing or it doesn't objectively. Um, whereas subjectively you might not like the profile. Like it might just be amazing in terms of the body and the amount of flavor, uh, the harshness, those sorts of things, but it might not be your flavor profile. So that's where they, they do still differentiate themselves. And that's why I still say like, don't try something expensive and then hate it. And then think you don't like bourbon. They always are going to taste a little bit different. What's the best way to learn to taste all the notes and nuance? More videos coming out about this too as well. But by far my favorite is blind tastings. Uh, without a doubt, if you can't do blind tastings, then just side-by-side -side tastings. Can you tell us about Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond? Is it good? I think it catches a bad rep online for as far as allocated things go. I really like Heaven Hill Bottled and Bond. I think it's really tasty. I don't remember the exact profile. I remember thinking this has a lot of flavor. It tastes like a Heaven Hill product, which for me usually has like a woody, barely, not super funky but just i guess woody is the best word for it profile um with a little bit of a darkness a little bit of a brown sugar and it had a little bit of that but it also just had a lot of body so i was a fan of it where does mellow corn rate with you mellow corn for me is a very very good bottle for its price uh for its price being the key part of that phrase in a tasting high proof to low proof or low proof to high proof um so i have said before if you taste something high proof it will make if you have trouble with the burn, it can make, if you move to low proof, it can make the burn less noticeable. But that's the only situation where I would do that. If you're trying to do a tasting of like four things and you want to taste all four of them, I would start low and work my way high so you don't get your palate burnout. That's just personal preference. That's just the way that I do it. Where do you get the best price bourbon, MSRP or close? Oh, I want to just mention because of this question um, that I do live in Ohio. So I get most of my stuff in Ohio uh, because Ohio is very close to MSRP pricing. Uh, all the pricing in Ohio is controlled by the state. Next question. Is anybody able to taste the flavors or do you have to possess a certain palate? I think anyone is. I That could be... I don't know if it's something we know, to be honest with you, but I think in my experience, people who I would have thought would never in a million years like bourbon uh, or like whiskey in general, I have seen them start to like it. And so, I mean, Bryce is a great example. He's our repeat guest on here. He hated all forms of liquor, let alone straight liquor. He didn't even like beer. And then now he actually, when he sits down and does a tasting with me, he's like, I get it. Like, this is fun. I enjoy it. So I truly think anybody can. It just takes the proper practice. And a lot of it comes with time. A lot of it comes with technique. Um, and once again, a lot of videos coming on that as well as I've done podcast episodes about it. Can you discuss chill versus non-chill filtered and why it matters? I'm going to write this one down because I do want to talk about it in a future episode, um, and I don't have the time to really research it and talk about it right now. That could be a long-form question probably. But I wanted you to know that I saw your question, and I will be writing it down um, for a future episode. I am screenshotting it again. That way I have it. Okay. Um, but to, I guess to summarize very briefly my understanding, um, so chill filtering uh, – takes out i forget the name of it but it's something in the whiskey that create that adds like body to the whiskey it adds this roundness this flavor to it um amanda from virginia distillery company talked about it a little bit in the episode that i did with her so you can go back and check that one out um if you want to hear about that a little bit more but it takes out um a type of of compound in there that's going to bother me. I'm sorry. Somebody's probably screaming at their phone right now or whatever whatever you're listening on. Um, but I'll do more about it in a future episode. But 
moral of the story is the reason people do it is because if you don't and your whiskey is not up to a certain proof yet, uh, it can get this little stuff floating around in it because it'll fall out of solution and it's harmless, but it looks weird. So people will filter. Um, but if you don't, you keep those, uh, like that extra body that comes from that. There's the traveler whiskey question. I will review it if it's sent to me or if I find it just by chance. Um, but I'm not necessarily hunting it right now. What is my current favorite style of whiskey? <sighs> Great question. That's tough. I think rise that don't taste like standard rise. Standard rise are good. I don't see myself obsessed with them, but rise that taste funky, like the hard truth pick that I just came out with. And then also I just tasted this review's not out yet. So spoiler alert, I just tasted 10th mountain whiskeys, rye whiskey. And I thought this is different. Um, also Redwood empires, rocket top stuff like that. That just tastes weird. Tastes different. I like that. So that's probably my favorite right now. Uh, can you recommend more of the Bardstown bottles? There's no specific bottle from Bardstown that I'm like, this is the one. This is what I love. But I will say I tasted a lot of their portfolio while I was there for the tour, and they have a lot of fantastic stuff. I really like their stuff. I know it's very expensive. Some of it is very expensive. Uh, and so I would like to do a review of it and actually sit down and say this is how much it costs. Is it worth it or not? Because I haven't done that. And so I feel like I can't give a fair opinion. What I can say is they have very tasty stuff. They definitely know what they're doing when it comes to making whiskey. So I'll, I'll, I'll give them that. Um, which distillery will I visit next? Excellent question. I don't know yet. Um, I would definitely like to do some stuff with nearby distilleries in Ohio. Um, and then I would, of course, like to make it back down to the Bourbon Trail again. Uh, at least I'd like to try to make it once before Kentucky Bourbon Festival. If not, maybe extend Kentucky Bourbon Festival and, and see some stuff while I'm in town. So we'll see. Um, but maybe my next distillery will actually be in Ohio. So we'll see about that. And it may be semi-close to me. For newbies, what are some thoughts, tips, tricks for moving to higher proofs? Um, honestly, I think a lot of it comes with time. At least for me, a lot of it came with time. I just naturally started liking higher proofs. I wouldn't push it. I wouldn't force yourself. Um, enjoy those 80 and 90 proofs, especially because they're significantly less expensive. There's still 89, 80 and 90 proof bottles that I love to this day. Uh, and a lot of that will just come with time. Could you do a Weller comparison like some of the different labels they have? Yes, I could. I actually did, um, talk about all of the, ooh, almost dropped my phone, all the different Wellers uh, in episode number 69. So you can go through and listen to that where I compare. I did a tasting of, uh, I think it's six labels, the main six labels. What do we got? Special Reserve, Antique, 12-year, uh, Foolproof, Single Barrel, and CYPB. I talked about those. Um, and I actually now have Foolproof, Special Reserve, Antique, and... 12 year. So I might start doing some blinds with those most likely. Um, but for the comparison that wasn't blind, you can go check out episode number 69. All right. We're moving right along here. How long did it take you to finally distinguish the nose and tasting notes in bourbon? Uh, it took a long time and I do have a video that will be coming out. If it's not out already, it'll be coming out soon on TikTok about that. Um, I might put a short, shortened version of it on Instagram. Um, but I'll talk a little bit about that, but it took a long time. So just be patient. And there's a lot of different things you can do to try to improve that as well. What's the difference between a finished bourbon and a regular bourbon? A finished bourbon is simply a bourbon that was made like a bourbon and then put into a different barrel that was not brand new charred oak barrels. And so I like to call them finished bourbons. A lot of other people will start to call or 
I shouldn't say will start to call them that. You'll hear a lot of other people call them that as well. Um, I didn't start that term. That's not what I was trying to say. That came out weird. Um, But a lot of people call it that as well um, because bourbon has always traditionally been thought of. It goes into the new charred oak barrel, and that's it. So when you do something else to it afterward, it's bourbon finished in. And so a lot of people call it finished bourbons. Uh, are there whiskeys that just taste better with ice slash water, or is it just a personal preference? I think it's both. I think some whiskeys truly do taste better. Um, I haven't done enough tastings of no water versus water to really tell you what I think, um, but I do think some do taste better. For example, Redwood Empire's Pipe Dream I drank on the rocks um, when I was in uh, one of the Carolinas because it was really hot, and I was like, this is actually pretty good on the rocks, and a lot of times I don't like things on the rocks, so different ones definitely taste different, plus personal preference. Thoughts about Balcones, Texas Single Malt, and other whiskeys like it? Ooh, there's an episode on that one. I think it's in the 40s maybe, but I could be wrong. It was the first dry January that I did. It was the first episode after that dry January, Um, so long time ago. I'm going to say it was around episode 40 though. Should, uh, and spoiler alert, I like te- uh, Balcona's Texas Single Malt. Should Redwood Empire Pipe Dream make its way into my regular rotation? I really, really like it. I recommend it a lot. I know I talk about it a lot, but I personally think it's a very good bottle for the price. I think you got to make sure that your flavor profile, but if you do, that's the information that I'm giving you. So do with that information what you will. Uh, favorite thing to do outside of content creating? There's a life outside of content creating? Whew, yeah, um, I think that that was a joke um, because this is most of what I do when I'm not at work. My favorite thing to do is honestly probably there's two things. Hang out with friends. I love I'm a social person. I do love hanging out with friends. Um, I'm weirdly introverted around a lot of people that I don't know. But when it comes to my friend group, I, I love to see them as much as I can. Um and I add in that introverted part because some people meet me in public and I don't want you to think that I'm blowing you off. It's probably that I feel equally as awkward as you do, but I'm still happy to meet everybody. And then afterward, I'm like, I'm so glad that person came up and said hi to me because I, I love talking to you guys. All right. That was a sidebar. Um, aside from that, I really like watching TV shows and movies. That's one of my wife's, my wife and I's favorite things. If we get a free night, we'll stay in. We'll watch a movie relax, make some popcorn. Um, and that I love movies. I love movies and TV. I'm not what I would consider a buff, but I love them. Um, and so I guess that's that. Um, maybe one other hobby. Let me think about that. Here's a hobby I probably never talked about before. It's not a hobby anymore because I don't have a dirt bike anymore, but I used to love riding dirt bikes, four wheelers, things like that. I grew up on a dirt bike all the time and I'd like to get back into it, but right now I live on a, a lot. So I don't think I have room for a dirt bike. But yeah, that's a that's a throwback. Give some strategic three bourbon blind examples for people to perform. Um, I don't have the time to necessarily walk through that right now, but what I will say is I would shoot for a high rye bourbon, a weeded bourbon, and then something else like a curveball. That's what I would do. Um, favorite note to find unexpectedly, probably because it's in my head because somebody asked about it earlier, I would say nuttiness. Big fan of nuttiness. How does Rare Breed maintain consistently while maintaining exactly 116.8 barrel proof? Is it legit barrel proof? Uh, I actually, I guess I didn't realize that it is consistent like that. So it would be barrel proof, but not single barrel. So it's actually a bunch of barrels blended together, but it's not proofed down at all. But they can say, hey, this barrel is 120. This barrel, it, this is, they're doing this with way more than just two barrels. But they can say, this barrel's 120. This barrel is whatever the next number is. I don't know, 113 or whatever. If we blend them together, we're going to get the proof that we need. And that's probably how they do it. Um, so it, it probably is legit barrel proof, but they're, uh, 
changing what barrels they're blending together in order to get that. Twice barrel, double oaked, and super aged bourbon. When is there too much oak? There's too much oak whenever you think it tastes like there's too much oak. It really depends. I love oaky aged bourbon. I love uh, double oaked. I, I like all that type of stuff. French oaked, double oaked, all that. Um, so it really depends. Really a matter of preference. I think we'll hit that wall, though, because people are getting adventurous. Um, am I bummed that my Michters pick... Oh, that I, I picked Michters over Redwood Empire in my blind tasting. Um, I wouldn't say bummed. I I was... How do I put this? I'm not bummed because I'm happy that I learned that I like Michters more. I was surprised is probably the better way to put it. I fully expected Redwood Empire to win that. Um, and then when Michters won, I learned something about my own palate. So, I mean, I guess definitely not bummed. Definitely just surprised. Uh, so that's the beauty of blind tasting. That's one of the reasons I recommend them so often is because they are fantastic for learning things about your palate that you did not know and that you thought you might have known. I thought, man, Pipe Dream is right up my alley. And then I had it versus Michters and I thought something's different about this. I really like this Michters. I didn't know it was Michters at the time, but I was like glass B or whatever. I love this. Uh, and so I learned, I learned something about it. That's all the questions that we have for today. I apologize for being a little bit speedy on those last few. I don't know if I should apologize, though, because I usually babble way too much. So thank you guys for all of your questions. Seriously, I love doing these episodes. Keep the questions coming. Um, it, it's, it's such a nice way for me to see topics that I'm missing, to see, oh, I haven't brought this up in a while, just like um, what qualifies me to talk about this. That's a question I haven't brought up for a long time. So thank you guys all very much for the questions. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. I will leave you guys with learn to drink, drink to learn. Thank you guys for listening to another episode of Whiskey Noobs. If you need more Whiskey Noobs content in your life, make sure you check out our Patreon page in the show notes. And if you like the show, please make sure to leave a five-star rating or review. It only takes a couple of minutes, and they're way more helpful than people realize. If you want to do tastings alongside the show, make sure you join the email list by sending an email to whiskeynoobspodcast at gmail.com with a subject line that says email list. You'll receive monthly emails with a list of the whiskeys that will be featured throughout the month so that you can buy them ahead of time. You can also find more Whiskey Noobs content on Instagram at Whiskey underscore Noobs and on TikTok at Whiskey Noobs Podcast. Once again, thank you guys for listening. The Whiskey Noobs Podcast does not support underage or otherwise irresponsible consumption of alcohol.